Hello friends and welcome to your only weekly dose this week of the Kings of Anglia podcast. My name is Mark Keith, I'm your host most of the time and with me in a throwback to the long lockdown summer, it's a two-man gang today, I'm one of them and most importantly the other man is Hutch Hogan, Andy Warren, how are you? You need a sip. I you do. Need, you need to get some lozenges in there, some halls, sip. clear yourself out, you're struggling aren't you? I'm a big fan. Well, now we're on to this. I'm a big fan of the Fisherman's Friend. Yeah, classic. Strong. The little, um, t- would you put the transferable tattoos on that you get used to get in there sometimes? Yeah, I didn't realise that used to happen, but absolutely. Oh, I, think, I think you did. I've, or I've completely made that up. But um, I, like yeah. the, I like the super, super strong Fisherman's Friends. <laughs> Original flavour, the ones that make you kind of start crying when you, when you uh, put them <laughs> in your mouth. Anyway, Hutchie, I digress. Enough Fisherman's Friends chat. I should, before we get going on this, Hutchie, I want to kind of explain a little bit. Um, normally, obviously, we'd have recorded on Monday, post Ipswich Town beating Blackpool. Unfortunately, as, as is happening with a, a lot of people, I'm sure, listening to this, we're all having to take furlough time at the moment. So we're taking a few days this month, which meant there simply wasn't enough of us on Monday to record a podcast. So apologies for that. But we're I think banned. Banned from podcasting. We are. We literally by, can't. By the, gov- by the government. <clears throat> if the government find out, they'd shut us down. We don't want that. Um, so I think it's only fair, Hutchie, just to start this podcast, because I know a few people are saying on Twitter, well, what, you, you don't record after a win, you only record after a loss, which I can understand that point of view. And, I, and it's a shame we didn't get to talk about it in more depth, but let's let's do it now, briefly. Ipswich Town on Saturday beat Blackpool 2-0. Um, it was probably their most impressive performance since they beat Blackpool away, <laughs> would you say? It feels like we only record these after losses. Um, yeah. I won't lie. I won't lie to you. Um, but no, they did win on Saturday. They they were full of energy. They they looked fresh. Um, they moved the ball well. It, it was the energy that I thought brought brought that win about. Just with obviously the new signings in there, Matheson and Troy Parrott debuts for them, and Josh Harrop later on. Um, they brought energy and freshness, and maybe some new ideas as well. And um, it feels like a lifetime ago now, but. But yeah, last Saturday, last Saturday they did win, and and it it provoked it provoked some optimism, mm. um, which which obviously was quickly beaten out of everybody. But um, last weekend, yeah, they they did look good. And I, I believe I'm right in re- recalling that you said Alan Judge for you had his best game in a town shirt. Certainly, that I can remember. Um, it doesn't come as a surprise that that's come when he's. He's playing in his best position. It's not a role that he's played with any kind of consistency, really. It, it doesn't feel like he's in and out. He's shunted out wide. He's wide left, wide right. This was his best position. He can't, He was He was playing as a number 10. He would tell you he was a number eight, which is a little bit deeper. But either way, he's playing centrally. Um, and and there's just a good outlet for the, the energy and and sort of pitch roaming tendencies that he has to, it just comes off so much so much better for him when he's playing centrally and with a striker ahead of him with really good movement like Troy Parrott so yeah mm. he had a, he had a good game um and it, and it came in his best position if you want Alan Judge to, to play well and perform consistently you have to play him there okay so town is beating Blackpool 2-0 things were starting you thought oh maybe this can turn around we've got We've got Luke Matheson. He looks tremendous. Troy Parrott. He looks good. Judge is playing well. We've got Harrop. We've got we've got Thomas to come in as well. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe. And then we went to Peterborough on Tuesday night. Another opportunity to beat a team in the in and around it, as footballers like to say. Um, they started extremely well on the frozen tundra, Hutchie. Um, one nil up 
after six minutes, James Norwood. And again, you think, what? Uh, what's happening? It's, ha- it's happening. And then normal service was resumed. Yeah, hot. I think I think they probably gave us 25 minutes or half an hour of um, of optimism in that game. Um, we'll talk about the team selection maybe a, a bit more in a minute, but in hindsight, it's easy to say now that it was all a mistake to change that winning side. You know what? Before the game started, and certainly in that 25 minutes, half an hour, I thought that the changes bringing back in the 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 more kind of experienced more physical fullbacks playing with two strikers um playing compact and direct uh for half, for 25 minutes or half an hour it worked um but they just they just got away from what they're doing it almost felt like they played the conditions rather than playing peterborough and you know what i don't actually think pitch was as bad as maybe everybody was expecting in terms yeah. of how it played. It looked horrific, don't get me wrong, but it felt to me like they they, they prepared too much for the conditions rather than rather than the team they ended up facing because Peterborough Peterborough tried to play. They weren't just lumping balls up to Johnson Clark Harris. They were spreading it wide. They they played with kind of three centre halves and wide wide wing backs who get involved in midfield and they were spreading the ball out to them. And that's where they, they created certainly in the second half. Mm. Um, but if it's just got away from what they were doing and stopped creating, stopped causing problems until the very end. And, and here we are again, which, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it's getting boring trotting out these statistics all the time, but they're, they're, they're just so relevant after every single one of these miserable games where, Nine defeats in nine against the top seven. You're shaking your head. It's awful, isn't it? It's, it's just a, it, it's appalling. It's hard. It's hard to find the words to describe for a team of the stature and history of Ipswich Town to fail to not get a single point from nine games against the top seven sides in League One, the third tier of English football so far this season. There are literally no. I mean, obviously, yeah. Unacceptable, disgraceful, dreadful. I mean, I like I like Stu summing up when he went zip zada. What they say, zip, nada, nil, nought, zilch, whatever. All uh, of them. All, all of the zero. Yeah. Um, it is. It is just. It's embarrassing as well, isn't it? It is, emba- it is embarrassing, and that's before you even consider that this was an issue last season as well. Yeah. Um, this year's bad enough, and it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it just doesn't seem like it's going to end, and it's relevant every single time. It, mm. it. It feels like kind of broken record spitting them out, but every time, every time you kind of. Go into a game talking about, yep, yeah, this is a this is a chance to end that record. Um, you're kind of hoping that this is the last time you're going to have to say that, but but it but it never is, and it's got to the stage now where you can't say they went out and beat Portsmouth in a game. That's still only one win in ten. That's mm. still it's still horrific. It's kind of it's beyond the point of catching up that against the top seven, you, you will play 14 games against them. They played nine of them and lost them all. So mm. the best they can get in that kind of record now would be to use it like American sports terms. The best they can do is to go five and nine, which is still pretty dreadful. Yeah. So it was the issue. This was the issue last season. It's why they were, it's why they fell away. It's why you never felt confident of a promotion challenge after kind of December time. And it's why, and it's why they're not in the mix now, and it, and it's not been sorted out, um, mm. and it doesn't feel like it's going to be. 
The thing for me is obviously town at the moment very much on the outside of the of the playoff race, looking in eleventh eleventh position, you know, lowest point, whatever. Um, even if by some fluke they manage to to beat the other teams below them and get into the playoffs, which I suppose theoretically you could do, they can't then beat those sides they'd be in the playoffs with. Which you know, exactly. the whole thing is is just so depressing. Why is it, Hutchie? Why can't they beat these? Are they just not good enough? I mean, the, the squad surely is good enough to have got at least two or three wins out of those games or points at least. You think so? Like. <laughs> I spoke to Andre Dezel after the game and I feel, feel for Andre because I'm not really sure what he's supposed to say to the obvious questions about about these things. Mm. But he he pointed to kind of fine fine margins um, of why they're not getting these victories. And, and in some isolated cases, that's true. They were fine margins. They lost at Lincoln because Toto couldn't resist a, a nibble to give away a penalty. They've lost to both these games to Peterborough. Firstly, Mark McGuinness' own goal, um, and then lost by a single goal again. They lost to Sunderland because they had 10, 10 men for 81 minutes of the game. And in, at the Stadium of Light, they lost there because because they they had the red card for Andre and then a, a, contest, a disputed penalty at the end. So in, some of these games are fine fine margins in isolation, but you can't you can't bemoan fi- fine margins when you're nine like nine for nine mm. per in, an imperfect nine for nine like you can't I don't think you can point to just fine margins there's an inability there to be on the right side of these games um, yeah. but fundamentally it comes down to not being able to score goals because if you, if you run again if you run down if you run down these games, they, they failed to score at Lincoln, failed to score against Hull, scored once in two games against Peterborough, failed to score against Portsmouth, lost 4-1 at Doncaster, lost without scoring to Charlton, lost without scoring at home to Sunderland and scored once at Sunderland. Yeah. It, it, they just can't. It's the goal threat. It's the goal threat. And you are, if you can't score goals, you are going to be on the wrong end of fine margins, aren't you? Because the other teams are, are relatively good sides and can can score goals yeah so that's what it comes it's what it's come down to i think you're right hutchie you know taking in isolation each of these games you could argue oh they should have you know they maybe deserved a point or whatever but when you take the whole thing it's the trend isn't it the quote was uh what's it einstein's quote you are what you consistently do and town consistently lose to the better sides in league one so they are not by definition one of the better sides in league one which is a staggering thing to have to to have to yeah. say, the thing that the thing that's worrying me at the moment is that yes, they've got they've got two games in hand on Charlton and are only four points off off them, which in a theoretical world could put Ipswich sixth. However, there's there's traffic in between, obviously. But win those games, you could theoretically be sixth. But you have to win the games, though. You you have to win them, and and most worryingly, it feels like Ipswich Town is shooting for sixth place now. Um, yeah. everybody like Peter Peterborough are 10 points ahead of Ipswich now with what having played the game more it, it feels like almost like last season where this kind of slide down the table has, has resulted in the playoffs still being in reach but kind of in a mad bun fight for four or five clubs shooting for one mm. for one place of course there's there's a, an awful long way to go in this season still still 21 matches left for Ipswich to play yeah, they can make it into the playoffs, but 
it's really hard to see how they're going to how they're going to force their way into these and force their way above four other clubs who are between them and the playoffs now mm. if 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 they can't start winning the games that really matter because they're just falling mm. they're just falling flat however however fine the margins and however unfortunate they've been and however however often there are some sort of bright optimistic moments that they are falling short in the big moments consistently again again and again mm. it's both both in the games against the big teams and then also even silly little things like the the day that it, they have a tip in the olden days of fans being allowed to attend football matches like in the olden <laughs> like yeah. when yeah, I know it seems like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? Yeah. But like on the days where they ran a ticket promotion where season ticket holders could bring kind of friends and family um sort of for cheap ticket prices to try and swell those crowds and get the interest going again, you'd get twenty two, twenty three thousand inside there. They'd fall flat in those games. They can't win on T V. They just can't handle these big moments and it's 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 really hard to to explain why. It's gotta be, it's gotta it's, be. It's got to be, Hutchie, you and me, obviously big fans of American sport. And there's a, there's a great term in American sport, which is l- a losing franchise, a franchise which historically cannot win and is terrible over a number of years. And that is what town are. They they don't seem to have the culture which promotes winning. You know, like the New England Patriots for so many years were dreadful in the NFL. And then Billy B came in, changed the entire culture, and now it's a dynasty. And you, you feel like with town, there is something intrinsically wrong somewhere in the culture of the club. Because as you say, it goes back, it's something that goes back years now. Mm, yeah, it feels that way. And it, at the moment, it, it feels never ending, doesn't it? Mm. Um, like those those losing franchises do end. Cleveland was another one of those yeah. uh, in, in, in American football. And they were, I think, out of the playoffs for 17 years in the NFL. But they've they've kind of got things going again now. And... A kind of one of the bright young, cool teams mm. in the NFL. It can happen, and it can turn around, and it pro- and it will turn around eventually. I hope. Yeah. We're kind of we're kind of saying that now. It, it, it will turn around, won't yeah. it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Like Paul Paul Lambert spoke about things turning, didn't he? In his early kind of months as Ipswich manager, he's about when this when this turns, yeah. it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be incredible. You know, the ride is going to be incredible, and it it seems so far away from turning now. There was Which, that, uh, there were times where you you believed him, and it felt like you know what this could turn. I think we even said it had turned at, at one point. Um, in one did, of the, did we? Did I think we? I think Stu officially went on record and said it, it has turned. Um, well, he doesn't know. He doesn't know anything, does he? Exactly. <laughs> He's not here to defend himself. Um, yeah. But I'm fairly sure we did say that, and it did feel at times that it had yeah. certainly in, in the start to yeah. the last season, and there were you know, still unbeaten in October. And the thing that, for me, Hutchie, that makes it so painful is it's like a lingering death. There's always just enough to cling on to, I think, from a Mark mm-hmm. Simmons point of view. You know, you can see there's patient on a, on a life support machine and you're going to flip the switch. Oh, no, there's, you know, there's there's still some brain mm-hmm. activity. The fingers are moving. Uh, and that's what town are. They they beat teams like Blackpool. And you think, oh, we've got, we've got a chance. And then... Yeah. Unfortunately, it happens. Let's. I mean, we've we've digressed there massively, Hutchie. I feel like we've just gone on something of a of a, a shoot, as they call it in wrestling, where they just break character and uh, and start chatting real stuff. But um, let's go back because there was a big talking point at the start of the Peter game, which was the team selection. Now, help me to understand, Hutchie, because when I saw the team, 
and I saw that Luke Matheson, who played so well on his debut, 18-year-old lad, fit as a butcher's dog, and Miles Kenlock, who obviously played well over the last two games, again, only 24. Um, I'm sure he would have been champing at the bit to get going again. When I saw those two had been dropped and uh, Captain Chambers and Pension Award were back in, I, I didn't really understand it. I know people were saying, well, it's because of the pitch and we need we need old heads and all that kind of stuff. What, what was your take on that? That was the reasoning. It, it, was, it was about being compact and just breaking breaking with the norm in terms of the game plan in hindsight i think they played they played like i said they played conditions more than they played peterborough um peterborough peterborough are a different side they kind of they 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 go through the middle they're, they're quite direct but that's not to say they're long long ball they've got um Johnson Clark Harris is the main central striker, and then then you've got Schmodix, and on this occasion Moisa behind behind him, usually Dembele. But they go through the middle of the pitch with with these players kind of roaming wide rather than starting there. And I, I could see the logic, I could see what they were trying to do. Um, I think ultimately, ultimately it could have been successful, but they got away from it. They just got away from from doing what they were doing during the game um it worked it, it did work Let, let's be fair it did work for 20 25 minutes it wasn't pretty um it was long ball it was it was direct and sort of bouncing balls in the Ipswich in in the Peterborough area were causing tr- trouble like for Nor- Norwood was causing trouble Parrot was causing trouble but uh, they just got away from what they were doing they got caught for a, a silly goal which um I know a lot of heat has ended up on Luke Chambers on this one, but for me, there's so many other chances to stop mm. this this goal. He's he's pushed up to try and win a ball that he's not he's not won. He could maybe have won it, of course, but from there, Alan Judge hasn't hasn't got out to his man to to stop a cross. Um, Mark McGuinness has mistimed his jump quite badly. Stephen Ward hasn't jumped behind mm. him. And Clark Harris has got between the two of them and headed home. You want Holy to be dealing with that as well. Holy, I thought, was was really quite shaky in this game. Um, wasn't impressed with him at all. He, he, in terms of dealing with balls in into his box, he he should be doing more at six foot nine. Um, he made some good saves in there. A couple of them were kind of getting himself out of trouble, but then also. What had one kind of erratic run off off his line, which he was lucky to get away with because of a a foul on Flynn Downs. Flynn did well to kind of mop up as well before being fouled, and then for the free kick, I don't think he set himself. He didn't set his wall well, and he didn't set himself well. He kind of almost like ambled towards mm. towards the post as that flew in past him, and from there they just didn't have the goal threat. Obviously, Norwood went off at half time. Stuart Taylor after the game insisting that was all kind of pre planned because. He only had so many minutes in his in his legs on that on that surface, and and I think from the moment he went off, they really got away from what they were what they were doing. And uh, that, that was the other um, thing that I didn't I didn't really understand when Nord went off. They brought Edwards on, you know. Yeah. I know. Obviously, people say, "Well, you just want to see John and play," but sure, if if you're talking like for like, he's a poor man. Mm. He's you know, I'm not saying he's he's the quality of James Norwood, but if that's what you're trying to do, yeah, surely that's an option, a better option. Yeah, I, maybe if they were still one nil up, they would have 
they'd have done that. Maybe that's being generous. I don't know. It's what I mm. would have done. You've gone in there with a game plan. Um, bringing on Guion Edwards completely changed that game plan, and, and you're you're then back to the system that we've been used to, which um, which we know has had its limitations for Ipswich against against the better sides, especially. So, no, I would probably, I probably would have brought Drynan on as well. Um, try and try and use his physicality and and hold up play mm. to 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 carry on that game plan that you'd you'd plan for, but. But from half time, really, they just got away with it, and Peterborough were well on top. Yeah. I thought in the second half, and and uh, if you just watched that second half, you'd think that Peterborough fully fully deserved the win, even if Ipswich maybe could have snatched a draw at the end with Troy Parrott and and Josh Harrop with two with two shots. I think we probably could have convinced ourselves into thinking Ipswich deserved a draw if they'd mm. got it, if they'd got it. But um, as it is, I think I think the the right team. The right team won. Hmm. Why is it, Hutchie? You've, you you referred to a lack of goal threat, um, which I've been writing in a lot of headlines over the past couple of months. Um, why why can't they? What's the problem with town scoring goals? <laughs> this is a podcast in itself. Um, there's so many reasons. Uh, early early on. Early on, they in the season they they were lacking in strikers. I think they've I think they've struggled to have the right striker fit. I think James yeah. Nor James Norwood's injury is a big a big part of this um, because whatever you think of James Norwood, and yes, he, he could have scored a lot more goals last season and missed chances. He's a goal threat in himself. He's a pest. He causes trouble. But then I also I also think the midfield sits too deep. They're too slow. I think the the biggest thing is is the speed of the play. They're they're too slow. They, but by the time they've worked the ball into the final third, the the, the opposition at the back they're they're solid. They're no frills. Sort of two banks of four, and you've then got you're then in in. You're then just trying to break teams down. You don't. It's just you never feel like Ipswich have got like the man over the overlap. They just, it, and and for me that just comes down to the speed of the speed of their play. It, building from the back is too slow, ponderous. Move the ball between the centre backs one way back again. By the time you get the ball into midfield, where Dazelle wants Dazelle wants the ball and he wants to take a touch and move it quickly. Um, I thought he was sat maybe too deep in the early months of the season as well. They've moved him a bit higher up now, which I think as long as they can get the ball to him quickly could could be could be beneficial for them because if they can just get the ball into his feet in the final third, he's then he's got the brain to use Parrot or Norwood if they're there. Um and as much as Guion Edwards was as much as Guion Edwards was on fire sort of end of September, October time, in the four three three Especially if you've not got the, the strikers that are going to score, it's all about the wide, the wide players. That's where your threat comes. And if you're getting your ball, getting the ball to your wide players, and they've got two men ahead of them to beat at times, and and some of the wide players aren't aren't capable of beating men. I just, I'd, other than Edwards, I'm not sure. I'm not sure they've had the right wide players either. There's so many problems, but but for me, it all comes down. It all comes down to the oh. speed of the speed of things. We have a cat. And joining us, he's, that, he's annoyed as well. Is that Tiger? I hope so. Otherwise, it's someone else's cat. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's it's the speed, the speed of the play. That's if you wanted one, 
if you wanted one thing, that would be that would be it for me. Okay, right. So, Town lost two one to Peterborough. All that hope, which was ignited from Saturday's result, was quickly extinguished, grimly predictably, as I often say. Um, we need to talk about what happened after the game as well, because people will be interested. So, Lambert didn't do press again after the game, um, which people will immediately take their own conclusions from and have opinions on. But first of all, Hutchie, what was was there any reason given for him not doing it? Just that he's not. No, it's just become what we've what we're expecting now. It's um I think if we did ask, I think we would be told that it was because he's still struggling with his with his chest and, and stuff from from obviously he he, had, he did have coronavirus particularly badly and did mm. really su- and did really suffer with it. I think if if we were asked it would uh that would be that would be the response. But it when we get told that it's kind of greeted with a bit of a uh, he was all right on Saturday, though, wasn't he? He was okay on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Funny a, that. Yeah, would you believe it? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I I think that's probably the response we'd be given. Um, I'd also kind of... I'd understand if... It, I would understand. It's not a good look for them whatsoever. Hmm. I, I, he should be he should be addressing this and, and fronting up to it. But part of me would understand if he was just like, Look, you you guys want me to be sacked. I'm not. I'm not coming to stand in front of you and not not come and uh, coming to speak to you. But but then what I would say to Paul in that in that sense is that you're not there to speak to to us. You're mm. you're you're there to speak to the supporters that are still tuning in in front of their laptops in their thousands and and still still wanting you. Wanting you to win these games, mm. don't they? Don't they deserve to hear from you about why it why it's gone wrong and how it's going to be how it's going to be sorted out? So that's that's what I would say. That's what I would say to Paul on this. I don't think it's a particularly good look to to be sort of sent, sending your staff mm. your, your staff out to do these. But I I don't know. It's 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 not something he's been gagging to do for for quite some time. Like we 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 don't see him in the in the build up to these midweek games anymore at all. And that's mm. been well over a year now that that's just been not on the agenda. So um, yeah, the the media isn't something Paul Lambert's particularly rushing to do mm. either now or, or historically, I don't think. Mm. You're hundred percent right there, Hutchie. It is, it is, you know, fronting up for the fans and, and speaking to yeah. the fans. I know they'll say, well, he, he does stuff with iFollow and whatnot, but then, to be to be fair, that's kind of just rolling him a few softballs and and not really asking the questions that people want and asked, which and answered, which is obviously what what you yeah. you do do so you know, well. On that on that point, um, I was reading something this morning, um, actually, where Nigel Pearson, the, obviously the the manager, out of work manager, Nigel mm. Pearson was um was back at was at my old university in Leicester doing a he did like a Q and A with um with journalism students, sports journalism students there, where that was one of the things they discussed directly about club club media and how mm. it's it's really important that football isn't just sort of brought down to simply being club-produced media. He thinks that's wholly wrong um, and that the independent media is, is, is vitally important because if you just... As one, I, I think the club media at Ipswich do a really, really good job with, mm. with some of the things that they do. There's, they did a, a really good video at the weekend with um, sort of behind the scenes 
yep. stuff, stuff, and that kind of thing. But when it when it comes to kind of interviews and things after the game, it it really needs it really needs someone in it, sort of not working for the club mm. to be doing to be doing those first and foremost. I think. Yeah, absolutely. It's not a knock on the club at all. Obviously, they right. clearly have not to have their own website. They have to put out their own content and they do it very well. And, and you wouldn't expect them to be grilling Paul Lambert about the record and that kind of stuff. But that's why, as you say, that's why independent media is so important. And I can understand, as you say, we've called for Lambert to be sacked. He probably doesn't really want to talk to us. But speaking to us is speaking to the fans. Mm-hmm. And it's also part of your job. He's extremely well paid, you know far better than any of us and probably any of any of the fans watching that is part of the job when you're having a bad time you still have to front up and speak to the media because you're mm. very well compensated for it incredibly well compensated best paid manager in league one anyway hutchie from money and what lambert gets paid onto another money issue the salary cap which we mm. found out earlier this week has been scrapped <laughs> just scrap that on a tuesday afternoon yeah um, yeah that's the result of uh, obviously for those that haven't seen. That's a result of um, a PFA PFA claim that that was um, introduced unlawfully back in the, back in the summer. Um, that's been rumbling on for some time. We understand, and uh, yeah, the ruling is the ruling has come back that uh, the salary cap is no more. Although it's a it's a little bit unclear at the moment exactly what part of those regulations actually do remain in place at the moment. I think there's some discussion that the squad limits um, are still relevant in terms of registered squads and things like that. But um, this should be good news for Ipswich, um, really. It should be good news for the hundreds and hundreds of football players who want to make a living out of playing in, in League One and League Two. And it should be, it should certainly, certainly be good news for the likes of Ipswich, Sunderland, Mm. Uh, Portsmouth and and also clubs at the, the bottom of the championship kind of looking down uh, that may potentially be dropping into this league next year. For me, for me, this all goes back to just how quickly it was rushed rushed through in the summer. Um, it didn't seem well thought out. It seemed panicked. Um, the numbers didn't add up. They didn't make sense. Um, it it just seemed to it just seemed to drag everything down to kind of the lowest common denominator. And it doesn't really fit in with, with the, the league structure that is in England, which is about ambition, uh, investment, progression, and then wanting to stay at your net, your new level if you can get promoted and then mm. go again. It, it just doesn't fit the gap to League One and the Championship was mad. Um, it, from the player's point of view, which is obviously how this has come about, it would, it would limit your earning potential significantly and in many cases would see you out of a job because it's not just the, the cap on the wage, it's the cap on, as of next year, just 20 senior players in any squad, mm. which um, would undoubtedly have seen players um, drop, have to drop down levels to just get a job, which in in turn would knock players from that level out of a job entirely. So I can see... I can see, um, I can see the PFA's point in this mm. entirely. Um, we'll see where it goes now because uh, there's obviously some interesting discussions to follow. Because I do, I do still think there needs to be some kind of tightening of, of um, sort of financial regulations and things like that to try and to try and bring some kind of sustainability into this game. But mm. the salary cap, it it seems so rushed, and I'm not, I'm not really surprised that it's not held up. Mm. So, 
it came sort of eight, nine days after the, the transfer window had slammed shut, which was annoying. Had it come earlier, Hutchie, say it happened in the middle of January, do you think it would have altered what Town did in the window? Obviously, they they brought in some very, very good young players, um, Matheson, Parrott especially. Do you think it, they would have been looking elsewhere, looking you know in a different market? I'd like to think so. Um, I think it probably would have done. I think they would have probably have, it would have been the striker that they would have, they would have been looking to get. And I don't think they'd have ended up with Troy Parrott. I think they, I think they probably would have gone to kind of a regular championship, a championship level striker who's on the fringes somewhere and stretched for that. I think that's probably what they would have done. Somebody more, somebody more senior, Mm. um, We'll never know, and hope, hopefully, Parrot, having shown some decent signs so far, um, will prove to be a good acquisition in that in that regard. But yeah, it's the, the timing, the timing's interesting, isn't it? Sort of coming in after the transfer windows closed, so that imagine, imagine if it had come in kind of a week before yeah. the transfer window closed, the mad scramble that would the playing by completely different rules for seven yeah. days. It would have been like the Wild West, wouldn't it? Have been crazy. I've done it on the Friday ahead of the Monday. That would have been, that would have been a crazy weekend. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so that's what happened and, and what might have changed what Town did. How's it going to change Town going forward? Do you think it not being around anymore, you could argue, makes it, obviously it's still very important that Town get out of this league, but that gap, that gulf, that issue with the salary cap is not there. Can you see it? Marcus Evans, it being another reason that he thinks, well, you know, I'll stick with Lambert a bit longer because if we don't get promoted this season, it's not the end of the world. You know, is, is that an argument? I don't think it will have any impact on Paul Lambert's job. Okay. Um, I think his remit, I think his, I think his remit is get Ipswich Town out of League One this season. And I think that's where that ends. Um but it will have an impact on on the club and the way it will have a it'll have an impact on um just as one example and this is speculative but they want to they want to tie Gwion Edwards down to a long term contract they can do that now um in a very different way um to how they could have done it just a few just a few uh, few days ago, like before, you would be factoring Guion Edwards into all kinds of calculations, and oh, if we give him this much money, um, it's a new contract, which means it would count towards the cap in its in its entirety, and that means we might not be able to bring in somebody else in this position. But now the games the games changed there, both from the club's point of view, in that they can, and this is just an example, they can go out and and offer Guion something a bit more, for want of a better expression, proper, yeah. a proper contract. And from Guion's point of view as well, he's going to be looking at, He it might make a player look at League One a little bit differently as well, because obviously, in theory, your kind of wage is capped in League One to 125 grand a year-ish, uh, where you might have looked at, like, catching on with the lower lower championship side on potentially three times that. Now you could maybe, you might find players now that look at League One and, and think you could get a little bit closer to that lower level championship wage that you could have got, but be guaranteed a bit more game time and things like that. So I, I think it could have a positive impl- in, influence on Ipswich if, um, 
if they do things properly. I think it might potentially have changed the way that a few transfer deals happened over over the summer. Maybe because the salary cap doesn't fit with English football in this way, in the same way that it does in the United States, which is where it works perfectly. Because because over there, salaries are capped, but you also can't. There's no transfer fees. You're not kind of selling players for big fees. And the salary cap is all done as part of a collective bargaining bargaining mm-hmm. agreement, essentially with the PFA. So it, it works properly there because all three of those things are in place. Only one of those things are in place over here, which is why it hasn't worked. But in the case of Caden Jackson, um, particularly looking at the Bournemouth bid last summer, if they'd sold him for two and a, two million pounds, they could they could now now in this world now they can reinvest that into a striker without being constrained by a salary cap. Whereas at the time, having sold him, you can't really go out and spend that money because you're so restricted by the wage that you can offer mm. offer anybody. So it, that might that might have worked out differently back then had the had the salary cap been been different. It's a, it's all quite theoretical and we won't know how this is going to shake out until they talk a bit more about what's going to be in place because the recommendation is to go back to the salary cost management protocol, which is kind of club turnover directed. So the higher the turnover, the higher you can spend on your on your on mm. your salary. So in theory, in theory, that benefit Ipswich, but I don't really see how that can work at the moment because clubs aren't bringing in any money. So there are no gate receipts, there are no sponsorships, there are no corporate things. So mm. how? How can you work? How can you use a turnover based thing when the club turnover is clubs are losing money? Like, mm. I don't know how that really works right now. But, um, yeah, there's I think there's a long way to go with this one, if I'm honest. What if you're someone like Andre Giselle who signed a new contract under the old salary cap agreement? So you're now waving it saying, uh, Excuse me, this isn't fair. Um, as you say, because now they can negotiate with the other players who they want to offer new contracts to, like Will Edwards, potentially, on totally different terms. It's a minefield, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and it's also, obviously now, it's good news for the player. Because <laughs> yeah. Guion can get paid more, bluntly. They can pay Guion yeah. more. Um, I don't know. That's that's, yeah. that's another thing, isn't it? Yeah. In, in the case of Andre, I would imagine he's... I imagine he's been paid beyond the kind of. I think they've probably pushed some elements of the of the cap to get that deal done to tie mm-hmm. him down. But but that that's a complete, totally valid point. Now, I, I, could there even be reason why some of these contracts aren't kind of legally enforceable now? Because yeah. they're like it's not it's not impossible. I'm no I'm not a contract law expert. I but. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm afraid, but I know. I know. I give every impression that I might yeah. be, but yeah. but um, yeah, it's 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 just overnight you suddenly playing by by different rules. It's um, it's crazy, really. That like a tweet from the EFL on a Tuesday afternoon just completely changes the the landscape. Obviously, they were trying to get a, a cap in in the championship, which yeah. um, was never they were never able to do. They it didn't seem like they were going to. I imagine that's those conversations will stop now. Um, but the big thing, and it seems a world away that we're sitting here with Ipswich in 11th place, 11th place and like, on the outside looking in, but the, the end game for Ipswich is to kind of get up, 
and re-established themselves as a second tier team. And, and in theory, that got a whole lot easier for mm. the club this week. Um, it's interesting. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure there are a few opinions going around Portman Road about this at the moment. But uh, in theory, the club's aim just got that little bit more realistic. It just needs to happen on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, and Hutchie, let's talk about something else. This week, after um, the loss at Peterborough uh, yesterday, you were, you and Stewie are both off. Um, and we put up a poll about the future of Paul Lambert, because obviously we've already called for him to be sacked. We've talked about doing this for a little while. Um, but we wanted really to gauge the opinion of fans um, and it seemed like a good time to do it after the after the Peterborough defeat. Um, currently, there's been over 8,000 votes. Um, it has been infiltrated a little bit by, by Norwich fans who've put it on forums rather irritatingly. Um, so it's gone from, it was originally in the early voting, I think about 2,500 votes. It was 95% Lambert out, um, obviously 5% in. Now, 8,000 votes, so 6,000 votes later, it's seventy nine percent Lambert out. Um, I mean, the, the results aren't really a surprise, um, but it is no. just, it's just another reflection of the way I guess fans are feeling. And it's set the poll is set up as well, so you can only vote once, which is very important. You can't just have the same people voting thousands of times just because they have a a set view. So you can only vote once. So that's eight thousand plus unique voters. Um, what what are your thoughts on that? I know you're not generally a big fan of polls per se, anyway, are you? But um, no, no, no. But it has, ret- you know, it's returned the re- result. I'm sure we all expected it to. Um, mm. um, I, I don't think Paul Lambert and Marcus Evans would have been in any doubt what supporters were thinking had stadiums been open, um, and it would have been a lot more, uh, a lot less. Um, a lot less reasoned than a yes/no poll. I think they'd have been left very, very clear with some slightly different language rather than yes and mm. no. Had the ground been open, and yeah, you're right. It's just another, just another sign that that people aren't happy. That you know, it's a shame. It is a shame that the uh, the yellow feathered friends have decided to have have their own little bit of fun mm. with, with it because it has distorted it a bit. But yeah, it was up. It was. I did see it yesterday. Today it was up at ninety five. I think it was even ninety six percent at one mm. at one at one point. So yeah, another another remi- another reminder if if it was necessary that 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 fans aren't happy with what they're getting from their football club at the moment. And speaking to uh, my friends, of which I have many because I'm incredibly popular and liked, um, they all ask me what. Obviously, a lot of them are Richard Town fans. When's Evans going to sack Lambert? And I keep saying, uh, I don't think he is. Not for the not for the foreseeable future. We're not hearing anything that suggests that Lambert is imminently going to be out the door. As we said when we we did the um, time for for Lambert to go front page and, and comment piece, we weren't expecting anything to change. Um, is there any 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 change on that, Hutchie? I mean, Town are now eleventh. They keep sliding away from the playoff places. We keep saying, oh, they've got games in hand. They're only one point outside the playoffs now. They're four points outside the playoffs, and they've they've only got a couple of games in hand. Some they haven't got any games in hand on anymore. Um, it, it's going to reach critical mass, isn't it? At some point, it should be the way yeah. the way the way we've always understood it, and have been told by by some very very senior people at, at the club, <clears throat> is that he will have the the owners backing as long as Marcus feels that Ipswich are very much in 
the promotion race and evidently being four points off sixth place with those games in hand is um in his mind being in touch with that in touch with that promotion race that that's quite a simplistic way of looking at it i think there are there are so many there's so many factors that suggest that actually they're just going to get further away from it um if it continues down this road because not, like like we started this podcast nine defeats from nine against the the team the teams that are are really in the thick of this promotion race is, is pathetic mm. and as long as that continues they they are going to drift away from it and it's going to be too late um that's the that's the fear that it's going to be left too late and this season will be will be wasted um saying that i i do think i i do think it's possible that he does leave this season um it's hard to it's hard to know when that might be they've got we've got Shrewsbury and then Northampton next which in fit we'll get on to Shrewsbury but in theory two of Ipswich's winnable games um they've proven they can they can beat sides in the positions that these two teams are but can he survive not can he survive not getting points the right number of points from these games i don't know it's um it's a it's a unique case i think because there were two there were two red, um managerial departures in league 1 yesterday with Paul Tisdale leaving Bristol Rovers after just a, a couple of months two three months and then Keith Curl leaving Northampton having just brought them back up into league 1 so mm. um it's going to it's going to take Evans to take action, though, isn't it? I mean, Lambert is not going to walk away. That would be that would be silly with his, with yeah. the length of contract he's got. So Evans has got to pull the trigger if something's yeah. going to happen. Yeah, um, I can't. Yeah, I can't see. I can't see a scenario where he walks away from it. Um, yeah. yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be pulling the trigger. And the, the danger is if you just let these runs go on and there's no sign of them stopping, mm. you just drift further and further away from it. So that when if and when a change does come, it's it is too late to have any kind of impact on on this season. I don't know. Does that also the longer you wait as well, the longer the more likely it is that that certain candidates are no longer on the market. The further Ipswich get away from the promotion race this season, does that mm. make like potential replacements stop and think? Actually, I don't want to take over a mid-table. League One club, I don't know. I think I think those managers would still look at Ipswich in the exact same way, whatever position they were mm. in the league, in the league table. If I'm honest, but I don't know. It's uh, it's all trending the same way as it did last season, and that's been the big worry all along, isn't it? That that last season's repeating itself, and you, you can't argue that it isn't. Well, it is. They're, they're in eleventh. Yeah, exactly. You can't beat the side, the top sides. Um, when are, when season ticket renewals start, Hutchie? Because as it stands with Lambert in charge, you ain't going to get many renewals. Obviously, the, the current no. situation as well. That's normally normally around like March time. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that changes this year, given given the, I guess there's still there's still uncertainty, isn't there, over whether mm. fan, fans are going to be allowed. I, I can't see fans attending games this season, sadly, and there's going to be uncertainty about. 
fans in, in the stadium come August, September as well. I don't know if that's going to have an impact on when when that campaign launches because because um, of everything that's going on. But yeah, it's not um, it's not a good sell. I can't see the kind of season ticket brochure going out with, <laughs> yeah. with a big, big image of Paul Lambert on the front and enticing enticing people to part with their money for yeah. a product they may not be able to use again. Uh, Extraordinary, yeah. isn't it? Extraordinary that people are still paying. I've got, I've got to be yeah. honest. I mean, yeah. full, full respect to those that are, because you're just not getting what you what you're paying for. Mm. Um, let's finish then, Hutch. You mentioned there's Shrewsbury. Um, there's Shrewsbury seventeenth in the table. So on on the face of it, you'd think, well, this is a game that Town should win. But just looking at their recent results, mm. they beat Sunderland two one. They went down one nil to Crew, and we know what a decent side Crew are. And they beat Peterborough two nil. Game before that. Yeah. So, <laughs> as I say, on the face of it, a, a game you, you'd feel pretty confident that Town should go in expecting to win. But looking mm-hmm. at that, this is going to be another tough one, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Steve Steve Cottrell, who obviously has had an even more tougher time with coronavirus than mm. than Paul, Paul Lambert had, um, he is the most. He's had the most successful start to. A managerial reign at, at Shrewsbury in the club's history. That's that's how that's how good they've been um, under him. They've they've got it going. They've turned things around. Like you say, they're beating they're beating teams that Ipswich can't beat. Um, and yeah, it's not um, this isn't this isn't an easy game for Ipswich whatsoever. You you kind of went a few, a few weeks ago when you were looking through the fixtures, you saw what was kind of lining up for Ipswich. Um, and you maybe looked at this start of this little period with, with Shrewsbury and then Northampton as being a bit of a, a bit of an easier ride potentially. Mm. Um, But it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't look like that to me. It's a tough one. Um, it's a tough one. It's not going to be. It's not. It's not going to be easy. Steve Cottrell is still, still kind of bed bound with the yeah, virus. It's, it's, um, it's worth. It's worth stressing this Cottrell um, thing if you're not aware of it. Um, yeah. He's he's been in hospital for a month. He was in intensive yeah. care, and he's still kind of um coordinating things from his hospital bed there's some unbelievable quotes from his assistant manager um, yeah. Aaron, Aaron Wilbraham where he says he gets out of breath when he's speaking to the lads he's putting his body on the line for the team here he's so heavily involved with the detail he gives us for training the pre-match and post-match talks he gives the lads a lot of people wouldn't be able to do that because of the condition but he's pushing himself for the club the fans and the team he's still in hospital 40 days in bed now it's unbelievable from him um one wonders if he's if he's still talking to the media, uh, Hutchie. Uh, uh, he, he isn't. Um, <laughs> he, he isn't. Aaron Wilbraham's doing all of that. But yeah, it's yeah. it's, it's um, a remarkable effort um, from everybody there to to be doing as well as they are in the circumstances. And and it's not going to be easy for Ipswich whatsoever. I don't think. Um, I'd be quite quite concerned about this game actually. Mm. What what are you doing then with the team? They they changed it on Tuesday. Um, <laughs> it's another tough game. What, what, what are you doing? With it? You're, surely you're bringing Matheson, aren't you, back in? And Kenlock, what have they done to deserve being dropped? Play yeah. play well, keep the shirt. I thought that's how it's meant to go. 
yeah, I would be. Um, I'd be bringing them. I'd be bringing them back in. Yeah, quite quite simply, I'd, I'd bring those two back in. I think they. I think Ipswich. I can see why they did what they did on on Tuesday night. It didn't work, but I can see the logic. Um, but they just they just need that energy in this side now. Mm. Um, and and so much of that comes comes from fullback. So yeah, I would. I would bring that. I'd bring them back in. And are you looking at? I mean, obviously, Chambers was played uh, in, at right back on on Tuesday night. But the obvious, if you want to play Chambers, thing to do, and you still want Matheson in there for all the, all his energy and running, is to move Chambers inside to where he actually is, where he's meant to play. Um, and and that way you have a, a an aged, kind of experienced head alongside a younger defender in either McGuinness or, or Wolfenden. Is that is that I, something? Yeah, I. Just... It's maybe not the most popular of opinions, but I'd still be doing that. I would. I, it'd be the same back four that when we did this last week spoke about what the back four would be. I'd still have Matheson, Chambers, Wolfenden, and and Kenlock. I think that would still be where I would hmm. where I'd look to go. And is there any any chance you think we'll see Harrop from the start this week? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm, I have no doubt in that. I think I think we will. I think it. I think we will, and it, that could well be for Bishop. Hmm. Have we spoken since the, the latest KVY injury news came out? Was that when was that last last Friday? Um. Yes. Yeah, that was last Friday. It's just another. There's not, yeah, there's not much more that needs to be said about that. I don't think it's just. Well, I don't think we will see him again this season. So I you're feel... then thinking, but you're thinking about August, which is getting on to two years out. Yeah. I feel so sorry for him because by all accounts, he's, he's a lovely lad. Um, still, I understand ringing town season ticket holders to uh, to talk to them during the pandemic. Um, and he is such a talented guy as well. And it must be so frustrating for him that his body just mm-hmm. keeps letting him down again and again because to have all that talent and not be able to use it, it just must be, it must be soul destroying. Yeah. And obviously yeah. from our point of view as, as town um, journalists and, and, and fans, it's soul destroying not to have him on the pitch as well because he's... yeah. Yeah, well, that was what so much of the kind of pre-season optimism was based around, wasn't it? So, yeah, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, it all filtered out to nothing last season. But KVY's back. He played in pre-season, saw him him play at at Colchester and then Tottenham. Um, And then nothing since. And, uh, yeah, that was kind of what a lot of the pre-season optimism was around, wasn't it? That he's, Mm. he's, he's back, everybody's back reboot go again and it just it just hasn't happened like that like you say it's very sad mm. well Hutchie that's uh, that here endeth football then um, more importantly Valentine's Day Sunday what are you doing for your your good lady wife she's going to work hey hey <laughs> well, I assume you'll be cooking dinner and you know flowers and little revolving no. bow, little revolving bow tie as well maybe <laughs> no no none of that she's no I'm a uh, we're not, we're not Valentine's Day people. That doesn't surprise me at all. For some reason, Hutchie, you're not present people, so you did, I didn't have you down as Valentine's Day people. No. What about what about you? What are you? What are you <laughs> well, doing for your the, good lady it's wife? The, it's the classic. I mean, you don't have this. Well, you, I suppose you do have this, but you, you can you can trust the information you're given because we have this dance every year where where we go. Well, she goes. You don't need to get me a card. We don't, we're not doing cards, are we? You don't you don't really need to do anything. And then you think, oh, is this a test? If I if I don't get her a card or if I don't do something, am I going to be in the doghouse for for two weeks? 
Um, so I don't know. I'm st- I'm still deciding. <laughs> I think I'm probably leaning towards doing something just Ooh. because it's nice. Um, and you you never you never come out of you know doing something like that and not get brownie points, do you? So see, see, I would. This is this is the issue that I have. If I I would I would be in I'd be in trouble. Would you? If I, if, yeah. If I if I such is the way that we've worked worked <laughs> ourselves into this world of no no presence and stuff. Yeah. If I if I suddenly um, produced roses and stuff, yeah, she she'd get mad at me. What? Because she, she, she won't have done it. Oh man, you'd you'd actually get in trouble for getting your your wife some flowers. Potentially, Crazy. but like, don't don't get me wrong. Like, if I went out and got her some flowers on Tuesday. Yeah, spur of just, the moment. Yeah, then then don't get me wrong. That's great. Yeah. Um, but if I suddenly tipped up with like some chocolate hearts and flowers on Sunday, I think there'd be repercussions, not good ones. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Honestly, I'm in the I'm in the opposite boat. I think so. Watch this space, dear listeners. We'll uh, we'll update you next week, perhaps. Uh, and the other thing I want to talk about, Hutchie, before we go, just uh, I know the Kawaii Army like recommendations for things to watch during this pandemic. Um, I worked my way through, again, The Last Dance on Netflix, which uh, I obviously watched when it came out. Watched again, as it flashed up on my rewatch kind of things. And I think I enjoyed it more the second time, Hutchie. It's an absolutely extraordinary piece of work. And there's, there's a scene in it where Michael Jordan taught, Michael Jordan, famously one of the most insanely kind of competitive people there's ever walked this earth. Um, and he talks about, he's asked why he played the way he did, which was kind of almost bullying teammates and, 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 you know, clearly um, intimidating the opposition and, and almost, you know, making things up to make him play harder. Um, and there's an incredibly moving scene at the end of one of them where he starts to cry talking about the way he played um, saying, you know, that's that's me. That's the way I play. And if you don't want to do that, don't do that. And then he actually breaks down. <laughs> and honestly, rewatching it the second time, Hutchie, it, it, it got me teary. It was it's just an incredible, incredible documentary wow. to watch. Emotional few days for you when Indeed. you're in t- when you're in tears on Sunday, having not <laughs> having not delivered the goods on Valentine's Day. Yeah, as well. You're going yeah, back. You're, you're going back through Line of Duty, aren't you? As well. Yeah, quite slow, slowly and methodically um when when i'm able to yeah there's a new there's a new one of them coming out soon isn't there so i've got i do this quite i I tend to go back and watch through stuff again before a new one comes out because i forget what happened Mm. so so yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's quite good a couple of other things i can hit you with if you're if you need a recommendations point of view um lupin which is a an excellent french um kind of crime thriller with a little bit of kind of mystical magic um mixed in that's really really good worth watching and also uh i just started watching something called crime scene um about a woman who went missing at this notorious la hotel the cecil hotel um and it it, it kind of goes from being just a, an ordinary missing person thing to something having watched the first episode that potentially is a lot darker uh, and kind of spooky as well um so look out for that it's crime scene something at the, the cecil hotel that's on netflix as well definitely worth a watch right then hachi i suppose we better take our leave we're at the hour mark which is our cut off now for these shows um we've had a i think we've had a good chat today uh, anything else you want to mention no other business
No other business. I just want to mention your particularly nice training top you're sporting today, which obviously the viewer, the listeners can't see. If you were watching, you could. It's a very nice Hertha Berlin. Is that blue and red or blue and pink? Blue and blue and red. It's um, fleece lined and uh, okay. very. It's nice and cosy for also, uh, the amount of time I sit here looking looking out the window. I also want to congratulate you on your your range of bobble hats that you're now sporting. Um, <laughs> on post-game videos can you confirm Hutchie on Tuesday after Peterborough because I couldn't make up my mind whether you were just so cold or so pissed off or a mixture of the two can you confirm what your overriding emotion was in that video uh, overriding emotion I think my overriding emotion was it was how how much you wobbles the camera like, he, <laughs> he kind of, I keep trying to it, it, it it's hard to do because we're we're standing two meters apart trying to get us both yeah. on a camera, but it's and it's hard to ha- hold. He's got his selfie stick now, like yeah. a tourist, like a tourist. <laughs> and um, I find it hard to stay in shot. Um, and I feel like I need to keep an eye on the camera and listen. That's probably why I look so annoyed. I, yeah. think, I, was quite, I think I was just confused because I was trying to both listen to what he was saying think about what I was going to say and also stay yeah. stay, stay in camera shot. I enjoy it because when you do it together like that, as you say, it's a bit shaky, it's a bit rough and ready, uh, but also there's the, you in the background kind of look down quite a lot and kind of then look back up at the camera. And it reminds me of, I don't know if you've ever seen in, in the bare knuckle boxing community where quite often they do call out videos and there's usually one person in the foreground and the guy who's going to do the call out is in the background and he'll suddenly just, pop up out of nowhere and just start chatting shit and i'm hoping one day you're going to do that just call someone out just push push you aside and call someone out go just paul just paul lambert this is right paul this is this is getting silly now let's 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 dance let's settle this um (laughs) maybe maybe we'll see after shrewd maybe it's not impossible we will see um friends thank you for listening to us sorry that we went with you on monday um that was a shame i have explained unfortunately why that's the case and, and that may be the case in future um who knows with with furlough and the pandemic um all that leaves me to say then is the usual stuff please leave us a five-star review on itunes if you can because that helps us greatly with the visibility in the charts and also follow us across all our social medias um kings of anger on youtube instagram facebook and twitter and also please recommend us to your friends your extra town supporting friends or even those who aren't even that interested um because hopefully they'll find something of value in what we do um shrewsbury this weekend then shrewsbury away fingers crossed town do something um i hope you enjoy the weekend uh, whatever you're doing have a great valentine's day too if you're doing something valentine's day we'll see how i get on uh, and we'll speak to you again next week hopefully Crime to football, Brexit to football. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.
Channel Slash Audio.